This show is brought to you by Made by Super. Hiring a design studio is more necessary than you think. Your brand is important, and how it's represented shouldn't be phoned in. Whether it's your logo, website, messaging, online ads, environment, graphic design, or social media, you need professionals, thinkers, advocates for your brand, people that will make you look good. It will make a difference. Trust me. Go to madebysuper.com and hire great designers to get to work for you on your brand. Also brought to you by Age-Old Trade Design, LA's premier hospitality design firm. Welcome to Acting Real with Kat Foster, where I talk with talented, seasoned professional actors about how they use what they've learned from acting in their real, everyday lives. Today, we talk to actor and producer Jonathan Tucker. Tucker is well-known not only for his roles in films like The Virgin Suicides, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Hostage, In the Valley of Ela, The Ruins, and Sleepers, but also for his TV roles in shows like The Black Donnellys, Parenthood, and Westworld. Most recently, you saw him on Snowfall for FX. Before that, he was one of the stars of the series Kingdom on DirecTV. He also just starred in the Oscar-winning short Skin. Coming up on the big screen, you'll be able to see him in the new Charlie's Angels, and on the small screen, you'll be able to see him as one of the stars of the drama City on a Hill, which premieres this summer on Showtime. Enjoy. It is a skeleton, and you have to discover where the bones go. What I need for my life I am drawn to create the play. And you must use the play. You um, well, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'll let you start. No, wait, but we'll, I... We'll get into it. Okay, all right. But I know, but what you just said is kind of like the heart of why I'm doing this podcast. And it was something like, and I'm just going to like completely um, like butcher it and reduce it but like it was something like the only reason that you're open that that you the only reason that your heart is beating in alignment with the heart of the world (laughs) or something like that look everything is vibrating right right? i mean everything is literally vibrating yeah physically yeah particles and waves yeah and so um, is that what you mean? Yeah. Particles of waves. That's exactly what I mean. Because there, there's, no, there's nothing that's there. Right, yeah. right. I mean, the table, the hard concrete is literally moving. Yeah, yeah. You know, so um, when you start to appreciate that, then you start to understand that, like, we're living in a physical world, and you can intellectualize all these things, and that's an important part of the work, like, as an actor. But you also have to be present and grounded in your body in the physical world because you're vibrating too and like i imagine musicians have a much more nuanced um approach to this and understanding of it you know because like i can't really hear notes do you sing uh i do i mean i sing i sang yeah so like an e flat i don't know what an e sounds sure, like, I don't like I but i but do i do right can, but i love classical music and like i can mm-hmm. you can hear when uh different musicians um when they kind of unite uh, acoustically right. and it's very pleasing to the ear right so you're talking about like connecting with the vibe the vibrations like being a force of connection yeah i mean it, or if you if you if you allow it to be and some people like don't allow it to be or maybe given the vibrations there's never been a division in the first place yeah but you have to acknowledge that like we're you have to acknowledge that 
we're all connected. Everything is connected and we're right. all connected. But the, what you said was that like, I can't really, I can't be grounded into the earth and the vibrations of the earth. If I'm concerned about what you're going to ask me over the next, you know, half hour. hour I see. Hour so, but what you but you were also saying, you also like made a connection to authenticity. Yeah. Like that the reason that you're able to be, yeah, to say like be willing to take huge risks of, and that I, cause like, I know I, I am, I know in, in my heart, factually that I'm going to make some choice as a character on screen in a huge public forum because of the fact that this is what we do. You know, we work in a public forum that that's going to be a failure, like Mm -hmm. a straight flop on your face failure. Like it doesn't work. I mean, for the (laughs) character and for the story. Okay. um, I don't look at anything as a failure, but I know that something won't work. You know, it'll be. Why don't of... you look at? Why don't you ever see things as failures? Because I think that's a pretty unique uh, uh, perspective. I mean, the, I'm being a little um, no, but flowery I mean, about it, but no, I mean, but I the, think I, that's beautiful. Like, like if it's not a failure, if it's something that doesn't work, how do you see it as like you know? I mean, it certainly doesn't work. It's just not. But I don't see it as a failure because it's part of like a. Uh, it's it's a continuation of a path where you're willing to make choices that are either going to be extraordinary or they're not going to work. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're you're going to remember it. I mean, there are these, like, performances that, for instance, that, like, Nick Cage does. Yeah. Like, some of them are just <laughs> really uh, up for conversation. Sure. And some of them are brilliant. Yeah. But he's so fully committed to it, you have to at least admire, you know, that commitment. Right. And Christian Bale does it really well. There's so many, like, interesting actors that make these big beautiful bold decisions right and um you know you want them to work as much as possible but that's really not up to you ultimately i mean it, it particularly in the moment you know so me, moment, you just just me it doesn't really matter if it's a failure or a success whether that's perceived by the world or perceived by you yourself the point is just that it's part of uh it's it's one point in a long line of experiences that are part of your life as a human but being there are experiences growing. of like walking on a very fine line right you know? sure yeah Right, the razor's edge. Okay, yeah. we're going to like talk all about that. I guess I was just struck initially by just how willing you were to be authentic and it felt like But there's no it's not a willingness. Like that's my point. It's like the willingness is the will I'm just trying to explain to you, you I'm not interested in giving you things that like we can't talk about because yeah. I don't know, we're just on this earth for so such a short amount of time. What, what what are we trying to cover and hide up? Like we're all imperfect people. Totally. And that's what's <laughs> so exciting about like being an actor. Like I always, I always start, I, as soon as I sit down with my guests on this podcast, I ask them, like, is there anything you don't want me to talk about? And so uh, Tucker had an, a response that was <laughs> profound, honest, so yeah. I felt like no, I wanted to share. About, what do you want to talk about? Um, okay, dude, how do we know each other? This is my first question, usually. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you. I mean, you, t- we you were, talk at we, we were at, well, it's funny. It took me a moment to, I was like, hmm, yeah, yeah. We, um, you, we both have the same manager, management yeah. company. Yeah. And we share a number of mutual friends. And we ended up at a, a lunch in Studio City at one of <laughs> at the arts. great delis yeah. <laughs> in America, Arts Deli, which has been there since the probably 50s, 60s. Yeah. It's the most expensive sandwich. Every sandwich <laughs> is a work of art, is the, the tagline. Is that true? Yeah. I didn't, I've never noticed. And they're that. very expensive. By the way, those yeah. sandwiches are like twenty dollar deli That's sandwiches, bananas. and the average age of the clients got to be in the seventies. Yeah, sure. But then you get these like total powerhouse 
like legends of Hollywood who end up having lunch there. Like, you know, like, yeah, like, well, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah like a Ron Meyer will end up being Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. And he's like the young guy. Yeah. Um, so you were. And we hit it off. Yeah, we hit it off. Yeah, yeah you have, you're great. Oh, dude. Uh, dude, you're, you're great. great. We had a great time. Um, yeah, so that's how we know each other. Um, and so can you talk about now what, uh, when you decided to become an actor? Or did you decide to become an actor? Or what you're like? Yeah, there was a, there was a um, we had a, a a very small summer home in a place in upstate New York called Saratoga Springs, and they happened to be the um, the summer home for the New York City Ballet, and so it's a cool like cultural <clears throat> um, town in the summer because they have the New York City Ballet like the Philadelphia Philharmonic and the Boys Choir of Harlem and it's it's a real jewel cuz it's also like it's also the like the stopping point um for upstate New York concerts so if the you know if some big band or singer is going on tour they'll do New York City and they but they don't do Albany the capital they do yeah, Saratoga that's so cool um so there was a company called Fryhoffers, which was like a regional bakery company. <laughs> and they made great cookies. Fryhoffer cookies are <clears throat> chocolate chip cookies are great. And they had a um and it's like a great example of corporate responsibility, which is something I'm really interested in in terms of government. Mm-hmm. I'm very anti socialist. Anti socialist. I mean, does that mean you're a capitalist? Yeah. I love okay. well, I love I love a market driven economy. <laughs> Um, I think sure. it's really important. Yeah, you and Jim, my baby daddy, I like sit the market-driven economy, it. yeah, which sure. is which is rooted in capitalism, but is not unadulterated capitalism. But when you see a company like Fryhoffers offer to pay for um, the tickets, the lawn tickets, so they're the cheap seats, uh-huh. but the lawn tickets for a cultural event like the New York City Ballet, if you're over the age of sixty-five or younger than twelve, you you can see the value in like how public private partnerships can work so that's what meaning that like did. old people and young people are like cool fryhofer is like buying well, getting tickets. to go see yeah, well, yeah but fryhofer is supporting the arts but yeah yeah, yeah. you know we like by allowing we people eat their who, cookies. yeah um by allowing people to go so my grandmother would take me every night to go see the new york city ballet on the lawn um for free and i came back to boston which is where i grew up and I told my parents, like, I want to do ballet. I don't want to do real ballet. Like, I don't want to do cartwheels. I want to do real ballet. Yeah. And through what ended up being the beginning of many serendipitous things in my life, uh, I ended up at the Boston Ballet Company in their professional track. So I danced for about five five years professionally with the Boston Ballet. Dude. And I did every performance or every show that they did for that period of time. What ballets were you in? Nutcracker, oh, obviously. Yeah, I did. I was Fritz in the Nutcracker oh for many years. Oh, my And then guess what? What? I was not Fritz. And, you know, there's the beginning of, like, realizing that there's a... You don't always get to be you Fritz. You don't get always get to be Fritz. <laughs> be the title for our podcast. You're not the first Fritz we've had on this podcast. Is that true? Who that else? That is true. Um, do you remember? I think it was Brian Greenberg. Is that right? sister was in the ballet. I, I'm pretty sure. It was his sister who was in the ballet. And then he, uh, his mom was like... <sighs> Anyway, they needed boys, and he was his mom was like, "Go audition," and he got and he played. Yeah, I mean, it's actually I hadn't really thought about this, but it's like you know, I mean, I was devastated because you're I was yeah. fresh for like three years, and it's the Wang Center in Boston. It's five thousand people. Wow, it's sold out from the moment they announce it. Yeah, everybody goes. Yeah. Uh, everybody in the ballet of at my age like wants to be Fritz, and then you're not, and somebody else is, and it's just oh, it's man. such a bitter pill to swallow at that. And age. did you get to be like the cavalry or something, or like whatever it was? A rat? It wasn't. Did Fritz. you have a rat, rat no. king? No, no, I was a party boy. 
Oh man, dun, they demoted you to party boy. Well, anything dun, other dun, than dun, Fritz was a demotion. Dun, 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 dun. I remember demotion. it so well. Yeah, I was actually in the cavalry. <laughs> My teacher, um, Sydney Leonard, is still yeah. alive, and she's a, almost a hundred years old. Now. Holy shit, man! Those ballet women. She was incredible. Ooh, incredible discipline, you know, yeah. instilling punctuality, the ability to listen as a young, yeah. as a young person. Um, and I kind of got a little burned out. Um, with the ballet because it was so much work uh-huh. um you know it's class and rehearsal performances yeah. and and I, I took one show essentially off and i had auditioned for lorenzo's oil and they did a national call for that back in wow. the early 90s uh-huh. and so my name and like was on a, a you know three by five note card and some casting director's office said um actually the same casting director carolyn pickman in boston who is in who is now casting the local casting for the showtime show that i'm doing next month whoa so it's a full circle have you spoken with her oh yeah yeah oh, i mean yeah. when i saw her for the table read in boston you know there we are at the four seasons yeah and it's like, yeah you know they've flown in all these people and all the executives and it's yeah. matt damon and ben affleck and wow. the whole you know we got david nevins on the speaker who's oh, the president of showtime in the center and it's like it's like this a huge deal, show huge table read, and i yeah. look at caroline uh carolyn and um I just started crying, you know, it was just like, it was just such a cool, you know, such a cool emotional thing. Cause here's this, you know, there, we have sometimes, and it's not very often these like very direct connections for gratitude. Yeah. You know, like that was such a, I mean, such a direct connection. Yeah. So I didn't get Lorenzo's oil, but I ended up going back for these commercial calls from time to time. And I ended up getting this fruit roll-ups national commercial. And I was like, this is what I want to do. You know, the ballet was really fun and great. Now, what was it about the Fruit Roll-Ups commercial that... I just loved the whole process and the, I loved the smell of the stage and the, yeah. you know, the, the crew and the And how the old whole were you thing. at this point? I was oh, 10 or 11. Okay. <clears throat> and um, I was like, this is what I want to do. We ended up going... My father's a professor in art history and uh, he had a sabbatical. He taught for 35 years at the University of Massachusetts, Boston, which mm-hmm. is the only public university in the city of Boston, which oh. has 62 colleges and universities. How so, come you don't um, sound like you're from Boston? Um, because I, you know, we, we, you we went worked to acting that school? out. We worked that one out. No, yeah. no, no. I went to school. I, I actually kind of like commuted. And I, I bust out to a school in Brookline, which is uh, about half an hour Got outside it. of Boston. Okay. And uh, my sister, however, because we grew up in a neighborhood, uh, a, a neighborhood that is very near and dear to my heart called Charlestown mm-hmm. um, and my sister was part of the Little Patriots program so she'd be coming home which is like the local day cast so she'd come home like you know Jenny Tucker I want yeah. some water my dad and my and my mother would be like you know Jenny Tucker oh yeah they were they were intense about it yeah yeah um, so I didn't have the accent but we went to Santa Fe, New Mexico for the sabbatical because we just thought it would be like the most exotic thing yeah. we'd never really been like <laughs> west of the Mississippi uh-huh. and um, and I, they ended up flying me back for a commercial, and I think my parents were very confused by this. Yeah, you know, but it, because they were like, "Well, can't you get somebody in New York or Boston?" And they were like, "We really kind of can't." Um, and of course, you know, I had the confidence of like, "Of course they can't." You know, of course they have to have yeah, me. Sure. Um, yeah, sure. I know. Loki's, Loki's making trying a to bed. dig a hole in the road. Right. You can definitely hear that, right? Yeah, but my I think people. This is the, the, the authentic quality that the, your podcast needs yeah, to have. Here we go. Um, <laughs> You're, I you're... think she'll stop soon. She'll like find a perfect spot. I don't know. And then settle in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for but it confirmed to my parents they were like okay so these people are gonna fly us first class, 
give us, uh, you know, per diem, put us up in like the fancy hotel in Boston and, um, and then pay our son all this money who's 11 years old. Like there, that must sort of mean something, right? So that uh, it, it gave me the ability to then tell them when I told them we need to get an agent here in New Mexico. Wow. They were like, okay, well, he obviously. He should get an agent. Yeah. She's still digging. I love it. I guess love. it's fine. She'll deal. She'll stop. I see. Why don't you put it on your lap? Yeah, she's she, on my lap. I mean, sometimes she's in here, sometimes she's not. Hold on, let me but I think, you know, this is what happens when you, you have a baby and you neglect your canine. Your canine wants some attention. Hi, Loaf. Hi, yeah. Why don't you sit Can with you us? Can you hang out with me, maybe? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, a lot of people will say, like, how do I get my kid into the business? Like, if your kid is not dragging you. Yeah, I you mean. Know, that, that's what happens. Like, so people, I didn't realize that. So you started at 11. Yeah. This is my 25th year as a member of the Screen Actors Guild this year. Wow. Well, and that's why you didn't go to college. That's right. Because you've just been acting this whole time. And I have a whole new appreciation for SAG. So, but like, no. what's your earliest memory of like, so like, I know, so you said you liked the, you liked the smell of the set and like the and feel of it. And I still like every single thing that I fell in love with when I started is the, I, I, I love it more now than I ever have. I know. I have the same thing. But I wonder, I guess... M- I didn't, though. I mean, like, I had... Not that I ever fell out of love with it, but I think my perspective on it has changed dramatically. Well, just tell me. This is where I'm going. Is I want, I'm curious, like, it, if the reasons you started acting have... Um, that you've had a metamorphosis in, yeah. your, in your... Of course. I mean, it goes from being kind of, like, fun and exciting and, like, a really cool thing. Yeah. Like, not cool, like, in terms of other people, but cool for you. Yeah. To being like a really wonderful invitation to explore human beings and human nature and the world and who you are and how that's reflected in other characters. I mean, it's like a whole new set of eyes that you get to see the world through and yeah, everything you do and all the challenges you face become a part of uh, the work, you know, and that's just so exciting and so dynamic and it, it changes your experience in the world. So... um Talk about what's the... F- it is the most exciting thing in the world to be an actor. It's I just totally agree. It's just the But thing. you know, this show actually isn't... I mean, the show is for actors because actors are going to love this show. But also it's really for people who aren't actors because I think that actors know a lot of stuff that sometimes know things that are very applicable to The ones who really everyone. care about the work. It's it's the greatest entree to being a more realized human being. Exactly. Because you get to spend so much time doing it. That's what we're really here to talk about. But it's the time. I mean, that's what, like, the thing is. It's not like, you know, anybody can... It's just that you get to focus on this for 18 hours a day, you know? Yeah. So it's the t- amount of time you get to under, try to understand different kinds of people and to see the world in a more holistic and holy way it's just the you know it's really the amount of time you know because anybody can get to do this but if you're in a job from nine to six where you're dealing with things that aren't this then you have less time that's just simply it yeah but how can you my question is like there's got to be a way to bring that holiness and that sense of connection into a desk job of course of course there is but it's hard sometimes i mean you know it's hard to contextualize things that are like for instance 
just to be specific, like really painful, mm-hmm. you know, like somebody cheating on you mm-hmm. or like your dad dying. Mm-hmm. Those are so hard to deal with for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, you know, time is like an element and a quotient. It, it's a part of the equation. You know, I Like a lot of people that I know, I mean, I can say it about acting, but it's about anything, I guess. It's like they want to do something. They have like a goal, you know, and they have these different things that they have made as a part of their equation you know they're for to be to talk about acting they're in class they're learning monologues they're reading plays they're doing physical work they're maybe some people might think like they're at the right meeting the right people or they have the right representation um you know they're they're they look a certain way they're doing their hair a certain way. i don't know mm-hmm. like they've got all these things and so then they're like why isn't it happening now mm-hmm. why isn't it happening why isn't it working? Why am I not reaching my goals? And it always surprises me when they don't factor in time, because time is as, is is the, one of the most critical components of this equation to reach their because, success. Because you just feel so. Basically, part of what you're saying is that one of the greatest rewards of being a successful actor is that you're getting to act all the time. And not only does that make you better as an actor, but that makes you better as a human because what you're doing while you're acting is like experiencing the lives of all these other humans and, and your characters that you're playing. Yeah, and you're working through some of the pain that you might feel, for instance, well, and if the somebody joy. cheats on you and the joy. All of it. You're right. experiencing all of it. Right. And so, but, so what happens when you're not acting then? You're viewing the world as an actor and you have to separate your... And what do you mean when you're not acting? Like, like when you're not literally on set, yeah, you, but you're, you're still... Working. Yeah, you're always working, right? You're always working. Right. You might not right. be employed, but you're always working. Right. Your car breaks down. You're like, well, this is an interesting experience to be having because, you know, maybe we'll maybe we'll get some cell phone reception and maybe we won't. Maybe I'll have to hike out and maybe we won't. And who knows? Like, we're going to experience this together as the actor and the person. Right. So know? this is so this is really interesting to me, this experiencing things together as the actor and the person. So let's say your car breaks down, right? And you're on the side of the road or whatever somewhere and you're like trying to well, do you get cell reception? Whatever. You're dealing with it. Mm-hmm. So there's a part of you that's Tucker sitting mm-hmm. there on the side of the road dealing with the thing. There's a part of you that's actor Tucker that's mm-hmm. saying to but, person Tucker not, like or the person Tucker is saying like, Wow, I wanna but no, see No, not anymore. Okay, so tell I mean, me about that. I mean, it used that. to be that. I mean, it used no, to be but- the person Tucker is going, God, fuck, what are we going to do? And right. then the actor Tucker is like, this is a cool experience. But now I'm just completely united. Okay, wait. So I want to get to that. But before you united, which I also want to talk about, like there's a part of you that's in the experience. There's a part of you that's observing the experience. Right. And then theoretically, there's a part of you, some other part of you that's saying like, oh, I want to be the observer and I want to be in the experience. Right. So there's essentially three parts of you. Sure. Right. And then um, so that we don't necessarily we're not conscious of those three parts all at once. Right. And that other part we could call the witness. Well, maybe. Kind of, though. I feel like most of the time we are. Uh, well, so right. Actors sort of trained to be conscious. I mean, have you ever of, like had a meltdown crying and then kind of looked in the mirror? Of course. And like, what does this look like? And yeah. Kept it running. Of course. It's so crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Of course. No, I mean, it's crazy. No, no. Crazy behavior. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, behavior. it's a totally crazy yeah. behavior. But that's what we're like. What do I look like? And you're like, oh, my like my wife just got cancer yeah like, why am i looking in the mirror while i am crying right because yeah. you want to know what that shit like, looks like and look. feels like yeah and part of it but I, it's not like manipulative it's just like 
there's something about observing. I mean, like in, in real meditation and, and so much like of so much philosophical st- stuff talks about like what does it mean to truly observe, you know, a mm-hmm. silent retreat, you know, a meditation, a, the subconscious. What does it mean to truly observe the world? And sometimes we need to take a pause and like look at those things. So, um, but there's a point where you don't, it's not, where there's a point where the observer, i.e., the actor, and the human, the person, uh, or the vessel. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I mean, if I talked like this when I grew up in Boston, I would have just been <laughs> slaughtered. But like, there's a point where it no longer, ha- you're not bifurcated. And so you really are like, getting to experience the world as the uniting of all of those different uh, elements or entities. All right, so let's talk about the uniting, but then I want to go back and talk more about um, what I'm curious about, again, is like, so we actors, we do this crazy thing, but it's not such a bad, like, it's it's it's, it's actually, it's 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 on one hand, it's crazy to look at yourself in the mirror when you're crying. And on the other hand, there's something um, that, that, there's something really healthy about it because we're not only our thoughts and feelings. We're something bigger than that. We can actually observe our thoughts and feelings. We're not just like caught up in the, you know, sturm and drang of like issues, right? Um, and that's, I think, really a valuable tool for humans. Totally. Um, but so I want to, we'll go back to that, but, but, Tell me about the uniting and, and talk. Well, so it's, it's animal. Like, so you go from this point in your work, one in their work, where they're intellectualizing everything, and you still, and you're observing, right? So it's like, how do I look when I just got this news that, um, you know, that I got the raise at the job, right? right. And, um, or how do I look when my car broke down, or mm-hmm. whatever it might be. And so you want to observe that, but and then you get to the, and that's, that's what separates us from animals, you know, mm-hmm. like this mm-hmm. ability to that observe. We have a consciousness. And, and you get that. And all of like the pre-production work for me is intellectual in this respect. Mm. But then you start to look, then you need to figure out how do I get completely out of that so I'm not observing anything and there's no filter. And if I have a breakdown on set and the character in the scene, I'm not even remotely close to thinking, how do I look? Mm-hmm. Or do I look like I looked when I had this actual moment in right. my real life? Or what it, you know, is this ugly or is this beautiful? Or mm-hmm. you're just f- so fully engaged in the moment and the present that... Um, you go back to the animal in you and this duality, of course, is like, you know, God and animal for human beings. But when you're working on on the day, in the moment as the character, it's so fully animal, mm-hmm. you know, and your dog like wants to dig while we're having the podcast. So how do you... How so you do you... literally work with animal stuff. You literally observe animals and you try to find animal elements to be a part of your work because it takes you out of yourself and into the instinctual qualities that make animals so exciting, um, full stop. And do you do a lot of animal yeah, of work in your hair? Yeah. You do. Everything now. Mm-hmm. Because that. it allows you to, you know, animals aren't thinking about the vibrations of the earth. They're just grounded. Right, right. And when they're hungry, they're going to go look for food. So how does a person who doesn't know, so animal work, by the way, this is um, Stanislavski taught that we could do a lot of animal work. Um, and I do it through an Alexander technique oh you do yeah love that okay so um but 
so a lot of actors work with animals and um, you know sort of work on embodying the the characteristics and the feelings and the movements of animals um, um, but like how could somebody how could somebody else I mean look non-actors aren't using animal work right but like how could somebody else do what you're talking about um, do that thing where you're you can just be grounded you're not thinking about the vibrations like how do well, you, you ground do so yourself more, I mean, in a mundane way yeah, I mean you do you know it's it's the same sort of thing where it's like um like talking about last night which is like like having children right you just had a baby mm-hmm. and like everybody I talk to talk, talks about the fact that they don't feel ready like they're never they never feel like I'm for sure, women feel like I want to be pregnant. I'm ready to be pregnant, but nobody feels ready to have like to deal with the child as a parent. You feel unequipped. At least everybody I've spoken to. So if you can acknowledge the fact that you're unequipped, that everybody feels unequipped, then then that also means you're equipped with everything that you need because everybody has been having children for as long as we've been existing as Homo sapiens, right? The the con- the I mean, corollary. It sounds like what you're talking about in sort of like a an easy way is like. Or, you know, or sort of in a um, in a less esoteric sense. Not that being esoteric is wrong. Or I love it. This is what we're here for. But I I do feel like I, I want this to be accessible. Um, the accessible thing is we have no. Like, here's the, what's accessible. Like you don't. The world is going to come at you in ways that you ca- cannot anticipate. Right. And you can't prepare for in some respect. You do as much preparation as you can for whatever you're going to do. And then you show up and your only mandate at that point is to know that you've done the work and it is time to be aware and to pay attention and to adjust and to make it work. I don't want to hear how choppy the water is. Just bring in the boat. And so from a beginner's mind, though, like as you're facing to like, yeah. you know, uh, w- as when you're like moving from one part of your life to another, or if you're like welcoming kids into the sure. world, for instance, like how how do you, Tucker, like how do you, how could you explain that process of trusting yourself? You, you, you're going to go to class. You're in fifth grade, mm-hmm. right? And you're, you're given a homework assignment that's going to prepare you for the class. You have to do the homework. You can't show up and not have done the homework because what ends up happening when you don't do the homework? You're the whole morning. You're like, shoot, I haven't done the work. Mm-hmm. You're trying to do it on the bus. Your handwriting is shaking because the bus is bouncing. You're asking other people if they have answers. You're you're not focused on anything in the present other than the fact that you're going to show up in class and you're hoping you're not going to get called on, right? Mm-hmm. And you're hoping maybe the teacher isn't going to collect the homework that day, mm-hmm. so you're going to get out scot free. You're not actually paying attention to anything other than all of the fears and concerns and the problems that you've ultimately created because you haven't done the homework. And then you get into class and you're like leaning over trying to get the answers from somebody else and like trying to pay attention and create some totally specious response to a question to make you, the, the teacher's posing to make you sound like you actually did the work. Instead of, right, doing the work, not being fearful of anything because you've done the homework, and then you come to class, you're fully prepared, and if the teacher asks something, you can answer it. But more importantly, you're you're... You're not sitting in a place of fear. You're sitting in a place of looking to learn and adjust. And maybe the teacher is going to provide you some new information that wasn't on last night's reading or on the sheet that you were filling out. You're just fully present and fully excited to be there and fully um, open to the new information that's going to be presenting itself. And that's like the very non-esoteric way I can present. Preparedness. What I'm about. You prepare as much as you can. There's not you, you know. Right. 
And then you show up on set if we're going to talk about an actor and the prop isn't right. Right. And you're like, well, I, is there another option? There is not. Camera set, roulette, maybe it's the rehearsal and there you can, you know, and, and they're not lit, but you're like, okay, well, I'm going to, there's only one option here. And so when things don't go the option, as. The, what do you mean? The option is we make it work. Okay? Yeah. We're going to make it work. Yeah, That's and how, all we do have. You, how do you digest the fact there's, that the prop isn't right? You don't. There's no digestion. It's just it's not right. So we're gonna have to figure it out. Okay. The bracelet doesn't clasp, so we're gonna try to get some top stick, some tape, or make that work. Maybe we can get wardrobe. Maybe they've got something they can sew it up. But it's gonna have to go on on the day on camera. So I don't know. We're just gonna make it work. And now, and maybe do you, you have, have to disappointment about the prop not being right? Do you have irritation about the prop? Of not course, being right? for I mean, for a second, and maybe we're gonna fire the prop person. And so, but how, not now, how do you work? But not through now. The, but how do you work through the frustration? It's not. Not now. We're making it work. We're shooting. Do, does the frustration come with you into the scene? No. Of course not. What are you talking about? This well, is a ridiculous question. No, I know, but I'm asking of course not. because I'm, I'm, I'm drawing. This is a metaphor. To operate at a high level. <laughs> high know. level is we make it work. Right. There are only the tools are here in the room. Those are the only tools. If we can't get more tools, we are going to use the tools we have and we're going to get the job done. That's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. And I, I cannot tell you how much it frustrates me outside of on the day. Like now, when I'm talking about this, but not on the day, we're just gonna keep going. When some actor says they're like not, the, they get they, they will kill a scene because it's somebody's not working. Yeah, it's no, like, but that's my it, point. It. You get through it, you do it, but like on all aspects. But you still have that, right? You still have the frustration. You still have the disappointment. You still have the whatever the feeling is when the prop's not right, right? And again, I'm I'm really I'm speaking in a metaphorical yeah, sense sure. too. Sure, I know. Me too. I am too. Okay, I know. I know. I know you're following me on both levels. So I am. So I know. I'm um, just. I just. I just think like, and the more important outside of on set. We need to make things work. Once you've done, once you have prepared, and you show up, nothing is ever going to go entirely as you would want it. It's just not. Right, but what? But I guess, but of course it's not. And so, so we like, adjust. We adjust, and so, but this is what I, I like. I want to like get distill this adjustment a little bit. Like I kind of want to dive into like what the fuck does that mean? And like physically, what are you doing? Mentally, what are you doing? Emotionally, what are you doing? Spiritually, what are you doing to adjust? Um, whatever is required. I mean, whatever is required. That's why this line I love is like, I don't want to hear how choppy the water is. I'm not going to, I don't want you to tell me, well, we had to throw some buoys out uh, to see which way the wind was coming on the <laughs> waves and we almost hit this thing and he wasn't pulling his slack in fast enough and with a sail, I don't care. I do not care. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I just want you to bring the boat in. That's all I care about. Right. That's what anybody only cares about. Okay. But so what do you, have you ever not been able to bring the boat in on set? Yes. And, and, and what happened that day or night? I um, I got kind of cut out of the scene. Interesting. And that's what happens. You lose. And so, you are such a capitalist. <laughs> but it's not a ca it's not capitalism. I know. I'm out of the scene or I'm not in the scene. You like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So no, when just when you said you lose, I think that's. Um, like we need to understand. Yeah. This is what's so critical to me. In every every family, and this is like a political thing, but it's also it's also in every aspect of our life. Every family that I talk to or where I'm around, all of them talk about this idea of like, you only get out what you put in and sweat mm -hmm. equity mm -hmm. and um, don't be lazy, all these things. Like, there's so many other things. Sure. But it's like, 
that is true. We need to understand that there is a there is a culture where not everybody wins in the same amount. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that everybody, that, but there is room for failure, and room for failure is really exciting. And room to fail uh, will will spur innovation, will spur you to work harder, will spur you to take more risks in many respects. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about failure like you lose your health insurance. You know that's something like as a country you can't have people. People aren't going to risk their steady job when they have a family because they think they're if they ha- if the possibility is they lose their health insurance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But Room for failure is what I think the country is built on that other countries don't have, and room for failure in our work is as critical. So I completely agree. And if you don't, but but here's but here's what I want to know is I want to know how you process that failure, right? I want to know like when you realize you got cut out of that scene or whatever, when you walked off set and realized mm-hmm. that this ship that we sunk. have a long life. Long so life, you long let career. it go immediately. Yeah, I think you just have to. What else can you possibly? There's nothing really, else you can though, possibly do. You didn't feel like so. You didn't go over it because I would have left. I mean, set. you can have a I would have gone over. That night, but yeah, then you're done. But then I would have. But I would have shamed no. about it. I would be scared to maybe go back to set the next day. Look, feeling Tom like Brady I had to prove throws myself. interceptions. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, the best football players, the best baseball pitchers, the best people in sports. Kobe Bryant has a bad night. He has a bad game. He turns over the ball and the other team scores. That happens with the best athletes in the entire world. Serena Williams will will double fault. She's the best. She double faults. Uh-huh. You can double fault. You can throw an interception. It's like it's not about the it's not about the fact that you do the worst possible thing you could possibly do mm-hmm. in a sports game. Mm-hmm. It is how you respond. So Tom Brady doesn't go back to the bench and go start having a panic attack and hitting his helmet and screaming at people. He goes back, he puts his feet in the ground, he reviews what happened, he experiences like what that loss was and how it's not going to happen again, and his head is right back present in the game. Right, right. That's the difference. Right. Whereas someone like Mark Sanchez, God bless him, goes back after you know a, a butt fumble and loses his mind and spins out and then is no longer capable of working again. If I... If, if I have a scene like we talked about where I don't bring the boat in, mm-hmm. that next scene, you better believe like I am going to. There, that will not happen again. Mm-hmm. That will not ever happen again. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's yeah. the, and, and it's not and it's because I'm right back in flow with them. Mm-hmm. It's not about like the problem. It's about so how, how you respond you, to the problem. How do you juggle this thing of like having room to fail and also really pursuing excellence as you do? It, it, they're one and the same. I mean, the room to fail is how you pr- is is what uh, is what gives you the the gasoline to pursue excellence. That's really beautifully said. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I love Maybe that. Maybe the biodiesel. So, but but how do you? But I guess like so again like it should be just, scary. You know, it should. You yeah, should, talk it about should that. be scary. It should yeah. be. You should feel like there's so much work to do that. That if you don't start right now today doing it, uh, there you're gonna miss things. Yeah. And and the beautiful part about um, this um, conversation, um, or about this process or ethos, is that the more work when the, the you're what you're working to do is to ultimately get entirely out of your head and be entirely free. I mean when you show up on set everything's done. And everything that's unity, be right? Being totally free, being entirely totally. out of your head. Because if you're if you're totally out of your head, if you've done all the work, you show up and it turns out that the scene ha- is is in a restaurant where the door is open. Mm-hmm. And 
lo and behold, there's Breeze that comes through the door. And in the middle of us having the dialogue that we've, I, you've learned forward and backward, mm-hmm. and you've got all these ideas of how you want the scene to go, whew, this Breeze comes in, and it's beautiful. Yeah. And you can acknowledge it. You can respond to it you organically. Can respond to it, and it's totally there. Yeah. You know, and like everybody's searching for these, for the magic, right? Mm-hmm. And the magic is something falls or someone catches something or you see that you did something really amazing. I mean, it's a Meisner sort of thing. Like you're, yeah, yeah. you're totally into the other actor or the uh-huh. or outside world. And when you, and you can catch those all the time because in real life, really beautiful, magical things happen all the time. Yeah. All the time. Lofi yeah. starts scratching right. in the podcast. That's great. And you can even kind of look for them, right? Even You are outside. looking for them because you're looking. Right. You're That's looking. all it is. You're right. just looking. Right. And it happens all the time. So how do and you know Kat, when you And then you collect these moments and you collect one, two, here and there, pop, pop, pop. And then right. in the course of a 60-minute television show or a two-hour movie, there's like dozens of these yeah. things. And it's magical. And Julia Roberts is magical yeah. because she has... Two dozen of these things, and pretty women, pretty woman, and everybody wants to see her. Yeah, because she's just totally free. Yeah, and it's so exciting. Um, how do you know when you're ready? Like, how do you know when you're in the moment where you can be in those moments? I that's a great question. I don't know. Like, at what point do you do you put the script down and you get a good night's sleep before you have to be at work? I I don't know. I think it's just like a feeling. You're just like, okay, I'm ready to do this. Yeah. I don't know. It's like a horse, you know, in the uh, right before, you know, on the track in the stall right before they want to go. You just kind of get this feeling. I'm ready to run. Yeah. You just want to take the car on the road. Yeah. You've done all this different stuff. I mean, that's the. the, It always. I don't know. It feels like a car to me. Like you just want to drive this car. You want to put it on new roads and new environments under new conditions. And so, do you feel? Do you you experience like anxiety? fear like what do you do with no. your with you with those like pre-race jitters do you have jitters like t- tell me about your like right before the moment right before you walk on set no no no. I, you're, it's game day it's game day yeah. you're there it's tom brady walking in the hallways in gillette Stadium. yeah but tom brady probably feels a little nervous right or like i mean he's he's saying prayers to know, god if you know that throwing an interception is not the end of the game right or mm-hmm. you know what if you know that if you're fired from the job, it's not the end of your career, then what are you worried about? Well, I don't know. Getting cut out of the scene. Well, okay. but, or the or the emotional impact of being fired. But I've been fired. And so how like, and how how did you deal with that? I mean, it was the most liberating experience of my whole life. Was it? Because I was like, oh, this is the worst case scenario. <laughs> this is the worst case scenario. And why did you get fired? Because they, they didn't like my performance. And so, and how did you walk away from, when you when your agent called you, what yeah. did you... She said, how did it go yesterday? And I said, well, they wanted a, a one, and I wanted a ten, and I think we met like around a four, five, I mean, I hope a six, but for Yeah, me. yeah. And she says, well, you are not going to be going back tomorrow. Oh, no. Oh. I said, okay. And so what did you, how did, were you disappointed? Were you angry? I mean, it's part of the problem is like getting offers for stuff. It's like when you get offered material, then they don't quite know what they're going to get. Yeah. So I kind of, I like to have a, like I just did this show with um, with Elizabeth Banks. It's it's the reboot of Charlie's Angels. And when we jumped on the phone um, to talk about it, I was like, 
uh, this is what I want to do, and this is like these are the these are like the three things I really want, and we actually ended up sending almost the same photo of how we saw the character to wow. each other at the same time. And I was like, great. And she's like, I love the two other things. This is great. And I was like, okay, we're off to, then let's do this. Like, let's do this. Yeah. But I think it's unfair to go onto, I think it's very challenging to go into a set. It's challenging and, and borderline unfair to go into a set and have expectations for how you want the character to be if you haven't made it clear what you kind of want to do with it in big ways. Like, for instance, I wanted this neck tattoo, mm-hmm. but I also for the for Charlie's Angels, mm-hmm. and that was we were like, okay, we'll do a neck tattoo. The exact nature of it, like the design, also, yeah. I can I have to uh, appreciate the fact that they're gonna have to have a say in that. Sure, right? of course, yeah. But I I'm not gonna compromise on the neck tattoo. Right. Like, I'm not gonna compromise on the the big the entity of it. like we're gonna. Had do you drawn out your own neck yeah. tattoo? But and it didn't. We didn't get. I didn't get what I wanted yeah but that's okay I got because it's all a series of compromises you know if I had gone without that stipulation and they said we're not gonna do it at all then it's really the fault is on me because I didn't bring it up yeah they said no and then I I ultimately had an expectation that they were just gonna cede to whatever I wanted so that's not fair you know to anybody Um, but part of the problem is ultimately when you get an offer and you don't and you really do see the character differently, mm-hmm. um, then that you're up against a little friction. Here's what I keep thinking about when you're talking about this process, this Charlie's Angels process of you know meeting with Elizabeth Banks and talking about the character and stuff. I remember when I was at RADA, I had a teacher that said, you don't bring your imagination to the text, you bring the text to your imagination. I don't know if you agree with that or not. You don't bring... Your your, cell, your your imagination to, to the, the text. text. You, bring you bring the, the text. text to your imagination. Yes, I agree that entirely. Yeah, hundred so, percent. Of course so, you do. How, what do you mean? You're creating characters arbitrarily and then bring it to the show? No, you the show dictates what the you know it show dictates what the character is going to be. It inspires your imagination. In a um, for me, I'll take it. I take it one step further, which is it's my responsibility to interpret the subconscious or the unconsciousness of the writer. Sure, yeah. And they are leaving hints and giving clues in with every page. Right. And it's not always with a page that includes your character, the same way that everybody in a dream is not a reflection, is not that person. They're a truly, they're truly you. They're a reflection of you and your subconscious, right? Yeah. Your unconscious. The person, if you dream about, you know, Bo Derek tonight, which is just a great reference out of nowhere. Bo Derek <laughs> is not, it's not Bo Derek. It's your mm-hmm. thoughts on Bo Derek. It's you. Uh-huh. And all of the people in your dream and all the things in your dream are completely interconnected. Totally. So the fears of one character in a script or the desires or whatever are all a reflection of your character's fears and Have desires. Have you worked with Kim Gillingham? Uh, no, but I know her work. I mean, that's a, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Asandra Seacat, yeah, exactly. John Marklin, yeah, yeah. that sort of stuff. Um, we've talked about Kim Gillingham on this show before. Yeah, um, it's amazing work. And by the way, that's something that people can apply in all aspects of their life. Yeah, they let's can, talk about they that. They can dig into their unconsciousness and ask questions. Because so, so, like, do you look at your dreams? Yeah, of course. So, talk about what your process is when you have a dream that Dear is my creative like source. If it is your will tonight, yeah. please reveal to me the dream. How my character's fears similar to 
which is my so beautiful. So that's an exercise that Kim Gillingham and Sandra Seacat, her teacher, right. uh, teach. Um, so there are a lot of actors all throughout yeah. LA when you they're can working do the same on a role, with, they ask the, for a dream. Yeah. Yeah. And you can do the same thing with something like, should I break up with this person? The fact is, you know if you should break up with that boyfriend or not. You know it. The same way you go to an ATM. If I say go to an ATM machine and press stay or leave, and that was it. The whole thing was settled. You know the answer. Do you take the job or do you not take the job? Do you ask for the raise or not take the raise? You know the answer. So, so this is like so beautiful. So 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 because a lot of people in the whole world deal with indecision. So how so you people you know might... the answer. The problem is you don't want to go through what you've clouded is you've put a cloud between your creative source, right, your sense of truth, your gut, your instinct, whatever you want to call it, and the decision. And the, the, that and that's fear, which is I don't want to tell her that we're breaking up. I can't look at her as she cries to me and tells me why. Like, why, why? We've been together for five years. We live, I can't, oh, who's going to take over the house? Who's going to move? How are we going to have the furniture? What about our mutual friends? Can I tell her mom and dad? All Sometimes those things pursuing fear. the truth can be very painful. Yeah, even make, not even pursuing. Yes, yeah. I mean, just the answer. Yeah, but you know the answer. Living in your truth. You know what the answer is. You know it. Yeah, and so how how often at this point in your uh, your career and your life do you have to sit and try and figure out what you want, or or does it? Are you spot sort of very just immediately? All open? I'm working on is is how how little distance yeah there is between my creative source, my sense of truth. And the decision. And how how do you work on that in your life? I mean, this is what I'm talking about with an ant. Like your dog is not asking, do I go outside and pee now? Or right. do I wait until she gives me the food? Because so it looks like she's going to give me the food. You're working on being constantly in touch with your instincts. Yeah. In every single moment of your life. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's not only, that's a part of your job as an actor. Yeah. And it's just a part of your job as a human. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's and so great so about being an actor. I know is that you kind of get to yeah, you get to. Uh, it doesn't you mean have you a can't great be, excuse. It doesn't mean to you can't be calculated though. Present, sure. You can't be thoughtful. You yeah. can't try to like figure out what's the best game plan. Here. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there's also certain things where you have to f- be like, what am I getting out of this? Like, do I need to tell this person? Do I need to educate an idiot? Like, is it is it my responsibility? I'm the actor. I'm not the executive producer. Do I need to like? tell this other actor that he can't walk out on my coverage <laughs> do i need to i don't care i can work without that actor I oh yeah i've done some listening. crazy emotional scenes just to a piece of tape but the point is it's like <laughs> yeah you don't it, it's like that you don't need that doesn't mean you have to you have to be responsible for writing every wrong in the world yeah just because you know you have a sense out of a sense of altruism or a sense of protecting others sometimes it's not your job you know and it, you might feel it instinctually, and sometimes it's important to not be. I mean, look, we are animals. Like, they're part of what's so holy and in- incredible about being human is resisting certain instinctual elements in our life. Fidelity, for right. instance. You know, right, or, right, right. You know, certain issues with children. Right. Um, you know, making we sure... We get that, to choose. We get to choose course. when we want to go by our instincts right. and when we don't. Right. Um, so... Uh, when's the last time that you can remember that you were not Let me just not be clear. When I said issues about children, I mean like you tell children you're going to be somewhere, 
Yeah. You need to be there. Right, like, right. You can you can intellectualize your way out. Instinctually, you can be like, oh, you know, I got to, I have to go do something else. But if you tell a kid, like, you have to be somewhere, right. they expect you That's to That's a healthy ego. We have our super egos. We have our ids, right? Like, it's kind of nice to be just, like, all id for a second. Sure. And just, like, going with your gut and your, like, desires. And then we have this other part of our brains because we're humans that say says, like, oh, no, we said we were going to be somewhere. We should show up. Um, what's the last time that you can remember that you were sort of or can you that you were a little bit disconnected from this instinct that you're talking about like like so you're so you, when you get off when 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 you get when when you haven't had the opportunity to do the work mm. so you're then kind of faking it yeah you know like for instance if they change the dialogue on you last minute sure or you know you're going in for like a business meeting and there's like all these elements of the meeting change like yeah you know then you're like kind of having to fake it and how do you deal with that it's really challenging. I mean, you you are the thing is, you know, it's like if you haven't done cardio, vascular work. If you're like cardio's out, uh-huh. right? You can get put on a field. You're just praying that you don't get the ball to have to run to the touch to run in for a touchdown. Right. You're just praying. Right. That's all you're doing. If you haven't had the opportunity to work, you're gonna be like you're just gonna try to you're just gonna try to, you know, pass the ball off to other people and get a touchdown that way. If you're given the ball and you have to run, you're gonna get caught. Like the water goes out. Mm-hmm. That's it. You're. You, I mean, have no, you ever had no an experience where it. something gets thrown at you last minute and you actually like hit it out of the park? Yeah. Um. You know, maybe there's just not even worth talking about because it's not. It's 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 it's. You, you feel can't like rely it's the exception to the rule. Yeah, and you're what you're doing is you're relying on luck. You're relying mm-hmm. on like I hope it goes, and I I can't rely on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't rely on that. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. Um, so, but I guess the reason that I'm asking is like, what happens when you are in a place where like suddenly you find yourself, uh, you know, concerned about things like where you're not just when you all get in your animal, head. right? Yeah. Let's call it when you get in your head. The only time that ever happens is if you haven't done the work beforehand. Right. But like in life, like let's talk about like, so, so you, so we're like working cause we're actors, yeah. right? We get to like try and be instinctual yeah. in life. Right. So in our lives, when we're like, you know, having a day where we get some phone calls that we don't like or news we yeah. don't like, what do you, how do you get back into that place of, I don't, I guess I, I'm trying to think of, I, I don't know. Uh, I can, I'm hard pressed to think of like an example of that because I'm just completely, I've completely embraced the fact that you prepare for the things you can prepare for and the things you can't prepare for, you deal with, with the tools that you have gained and sharpened and gleaned and honed and collected your whole life. There's no other way to, there's just nothing else to do. I mean, if you're going down a hill, right, on a, on a skateboard and you don't skateboard and you're uncomfortable on a skateboard and it's a steep hill, you can do two things. You can freak out right consciously mm-hmm. like holy sh- holy shoot what do i do or you can try to ride that skateboard out cuz you know at the end of this hill it's a nice it'll flatten out mm-hmm. and you're just going to it'll slow down and you can get off mm-hmm. and that's a conscious decision you get to make it's mm-hmm. not it or it's not like being in your body and like going with the primal instinct you can just choose i'm going to ride this thing out or not as an example mm-hmm. right and so you need to choose to ride it out because if you freak yeah, out, but, you're going to fall. But sometimes off. if you choose to ride it out, you you still may not be equipped to actually ride it out. You're on a skateboard going do. downhill. Well, but you could just fall, right? So like how do you stay straight on the skateboard? You just, I mean, there's no I mean there, there's there isn't no answer. The answer is you there that is up to God. I mean, look, you can be religious and say I put my faith in God. Or you can say I 
embrace the fact that the unknown is the unknown and there's no there's nothing you can do about it okay but just to get really really practical for a second like let's you understand say you're that, like, the majority of the country and the majority of the world says i put my faith in god and they're only i mean the, the times when that is so true particularly i mean that is so applicable across faiths and otherwise is like when you don't when you can't prepare for it there's nothing to do. You can't pre- like you can even prepare for like your parents' death up until. But a certain what's point. the muscle like when you? So do you say? So you say some version of you, you're putting your faith in God, whether you say that those exactly. literal words or not, right? In those situations where you can't prepare for it, sure. And so, and you get a car accident, you can't prepare for and like, what your body. And when you say do. I give this over to God, what's happening in your body and your like mind? Like you try to get exactly back to that state where you're totally open to everything that's happening. And how do you get back into that state? By saying I put my faith in God, or I and then the so that putting your faith in God puts you in that state, whatever that version is. But you for also you. have to be in some state to embrace it. Like there, it's like a cycle, right? It's but not it is like a, a cycle. Simple... That's my point. Yeah, and so so what what's the other side of the cycle other than you putting your faith in God? Like what... there is no you you do all the work you can. And what's the work? Like what's like do you do breathing exercises? Do you meditate? Yes, sure, I meditate stretch, twice a day. Out. I yeah. go to I go to the I try to get some sort of physical movement. Mm-hmm. I try. You do TM? Is that what you yes. do? Okay. Um, 20 minutes twice a day I say mm-hmm. the same word for mm-hmm. 20 minutes twice a day wherever mm-hmm. I am yeah. banana 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 for 20 straight minutes no matter what with no expectations okay um, and I um, I enjoy fasting like with food mm-hmm. and I've, I've found that to be very helpful intermittent fasting essentially yeah um, what, what's your fast schedule I mean you know I try to I try to basically not eat. And for me, in terms of if I'm getting up at, let's say, 6.30 or 7, I won't eat till like 2 or 3 in the afternoon. Okay. Um, and usually I'm not really eating a ton before I go to bed. So it's that there's like 14, 16 hours, 18 yes, hours or right. something between meals. Right. Okay. That uh, makes me feel good. That just mm-hmm. makes me feel good. I don't know how it makes other people feel. Okay. Um, I meditate twice a day. I try to get, you know, an hour of exercise a day, of like real exercise, like focused, like determined. At the gym. Disciplined weightlifting yeah um i kickbox i like that a lot um and um and i read you know i try to read for an hour a day at least and what does reading do for you i just love reading i guess i didn't go do to you college. read non-fiction or yes. fiction non-fiction yeah and so almost what, exclusively and has and because i read scripts so i figure i get my fiction from there yeah 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 no i'm the same and so um so basically, you're sort of constantly in a state of like expansion mentally, getting into your body physically, mm-hmm. um, and then spiritually putting your faith in God. Yes, however, <laughs> but you that, don't whatever. say that, yeah. Or do you say that? Do you put your faith in God? I mean, do I don't you... say that. I guess What's I, I have no problem. I have no problem saying that. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I have no problem. I love you know. What's your version of that? Like, do you have like a mantra that's not your meditation mantra, but that's sort of no, like in I just line? am so I'm so comfortable with. Not knowing what's going to happen next. But what's a lot? When's the last time you were scared? When's the last time something happened and it, you got scared? Um, when I thought my wife and I couldn't get pregnant. And so, and and how did you how did you cope with that fear? Uh, it really just hit me at night, like one night, and I was like, when she was like, I don't know, you know, there's like we're talking about. By the way, your wife is now pregnant. Yeah. It's very exciting. Yeah, I mean, that was that was the last. That was one of the last and only times I can really remember being like, <gasps> you know. Yeah. <clears throat> and like, and how did you talk yourself through that? Um. I don't know. 
Um, how did I talk myself through that? I th- I think I tried to settle back into that that wasn't a fait accompli yet. So why mm-hmm. don't we really why don't you really have that conversation and come to that um, realization and acceptance when you know that's actually the case? And up and you know we don't we we you know if we didn't know that was the case that you know she floated that as like you know something to think about and I was like. And there's, I guess, the example. I don't need to think about the possibilities until they happen. And I think my parents did a really good job of being like, we don't worry about something until we have a reason to worry about it. Mm. You know, like my mother had like an ovarian cyst when I was in elementary school. And I remember like parents coming up and be like, I'm so sorry to hear about your mother. And if you mm. didn't know, and I was like, what the, what is everybody so worried about? Because my parents didn't make me feel worried about it. Mm-hmm. Because there wasn't actually anything to worry about until we, there was something, and it turned out it wasn't cancer. So mm-hmm. it wasn't something to worry about. So why would we waste our very brief time on this earth and like our focus and our emotions on something that turns out to not actually be worth um, spending that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There is currency to spend. But how? But like, I feel like you're and save. I like. What do you? Um... I'm but, not going to worry about something until I have a reason to worry about it. But and if was, it, and that, if, the, was that instant? Was it like I'm scared and then you said, no, you I had know to, what, I'm not going to. No, I mean, you, everyone's took allowed. took you 24 you hours. You can throw that. I'm just saying, Tom Brady can throw the interception. Yeah. You can you can have a panic attack. Yeah. You know, you can lose your breathing. You can lose a night of sleep. Yeah. But you need to then find a way to come back to who you are. And, and what are your ways of finding? I mean, like, I know you're working out, you're meditating. Is, are those your those ways? Those things help. That, that is what brings you back. Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. Ultimately, yes. Yeah. You know, um, ultimately, yes. That's what brings you back. Um, and when you say, when we talk about brings us back, like, brings because us you back can't, to you what? you can't create new. Like, like brings know, us back to who? Like, who? So here's, here's it. You can't create the new, new habits, right? You can't create new habits or a new system to address a new problem. You have to create a system of habits and a system to live by, and a set of uh, a set of um, uh, a moral sort of code, a, a set of principles mm-hmm. that then everything else fits into. So maybe you build it to aspire to a goal. You know, if you want to be a movie star and you know your schedule is going to be very challenging, you need to then be able to create a, a system to live your life now, so that when you reach that place with your schedule, you'll be able to accomplish all the things that you want to accomplish that in a day in a day-to-day for instance so an example would be like if you're going to be a hotshot ceo and you know you're gonna have back-to-back business meetings but you want to go to the gym start going to the gym for exactly an hour and you hit it for one hour from the moment you start till the moment you end because you know that in 10 years from now when you're the ceo of disney and you're going to have everybody wanting your ear and you're going from back-to-back meetings if you want that workout well you're not going to have the 90 minutes and the hang time to chat with people and the shake afterwards and whatever. You know, you start to set these habits now. Right. Um, I mean, now you're talking about sort of like the basic principles of manifesting. I'm not actually. Oh, okay. I'm not. Okay. I, 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 I want to be clear. I'm not. I'm saying that you said, who do we go back to? We go back to like how we train. You mm. go back to the habits and the discipline that you created in your life. Yeah. And that's what brings you that that's who you go back to and that's who you revert to. So if you're going to create those habits, you should be creating them for how you hope your life's gonna be. Not to not to get there so much, but so that when you do get there, that you're 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 coming back to the principled person that has a set of habits that are healthy for you and that'll right. help you succeed 
moving forward. I remember um, if you're going to spend time with your family, turn your phone off. At some point, right, right. I love that. And even before you, even before you're with your family, even before you get to a point where you get being able to turn your phone off, so that when you get to a point where you only have an hour with your kids when you come home from work, that that's a really good hour. Right. I I remember some teacher of mine at some point saying that we we think in our imaginations like when we're like I want to be like this or I want to do these things in the world you know like I I want I want to be a millionaire right that you have to um, that you have to have the job in order to do the thing the work in order to become the millionaire but actually if you can like kind of reverse it in your mind and and say that I'm gonna be the millionaire. So that I can do the things that the millionaire does, so that I can have the job that I want. Do you yeah, know what well, I'm you that's rever- a terrible no, it's reverse example. engineering. The question is like, you say you you, you want to say, what do I want? And if 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 what you want is to spend more time with your family, then it doesn't actually have to do with money. It has to do with like figuring out a way to get your goals. Some some people say I want to be a millionaire so I can do X Y Z. If you want to be a family man, you can be a family man, and At then you can do the things that the family man does, and then you will have the things that the family man has. Yes, that's it's as the reverse engineer. Yeah, exactly. First, to, I think a million dollars will get me that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, this has been so amazing. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No, I want everybody to. I want everybody to know that being an actor can it, it isn't just like, <laughs> isn't just all the stuff that I think a lot of people think it's about. You know, yeah. That it's a it's a it's a conduit to living a, re, a realized, an incredibly realized life, and that's it doesn't just have to be for actors. And when you say realized life, do you mean that you like know yourself better? Yes. That's what realized life means to you. Mm-hmm. I and don't other mean people to put words in your life, but that's what yeah. I'm, I just. And it means that like two people that. at Arts Deli can sit down for the first time and totally connect, and know that there's not a facade there, that you know we have a very brief time as human beings and things go by really fast. I mean, your baby is going to grow up really fast in your life, you know. I know. And if you're if you're if we have this ticking clock, there's a book I just read, which everybody should read. Which book? Called. Um, Let's talk about death over dinner. Oh, and it's great. like this idea that we plan all these things in our life, like a baby shower or a wedding, and yet the thing that is guaranteed for all of us is that we're all going to die, and we should not just honor ourselves, but we should honor the people who love us and want to be a part of that celebration of our passing by giving them an understanding of what we hope to have happen when we die hmm. so that they don't have to figure it out and guess and live with the fact they might not know at some point. Have you figured out what you want when uh, you yeah. die? Yeah. Do you want to, can you talk, talk about it for a second? Um, no, I mean, I would like my, I, would, I, I hope I can die in the, in the name of some sort of social justice cause. Wow. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, but I think that it gives you a sense that we do have a finite amount of time. So let's not let's not play around and let's be really honest with who we are so that we can be really honest with people around us. So do you live do you try and live every day as if it's your last? No. I mean, no, because I mean that's a kind of a trite thing to always yeah, be saying yeah. to yourself because I just want to have an honest, satisfying experience. I mean, the work that I do as an actor isn't fun, it's satisfying. Mm. It should be satisfying. You know, and you feel that, I mean, everybody feels that when you take off your shoes and you put your feet on the ground and you feel dirt, the same way when you were a little kid or when you were on a field or on a beach. I mean, we use all these euphemisms, but when your feet are fully on the ground and you feel the whole 
softness of your body on the ground, it's satisfying. And Sometimes that's something you fun. can do whether you're an actor or not an actor. Yes. Yeah. And that's then, maybe one of like your guiding principles that you were talking about. You want to have a satisfying experience. Of life. Yeah. And guess what? what? When you tell the truth all the time, you know, yeah. when, when you, you're, when you're honorable, you do honorable things and you're kind to people. When every time you meet somebody, you know, it's an opportunity for kindness. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're fair with people, it, it it's a it's a way to ground yourself. It's a way to have a satisfying experience because you can't buy those things. You can't mm-hmm. buy those qualities, mm-hmm. and it, it gives you a sense of power, not of like of having something over other people, but a sense of power in the world that's that's unrivaled. Beautiful. Uh, let's uh, talk about death over dinner. Any other books that have I just finished this other book called Into the Silence by Wade Davis. And it was like, it's like a slightly bump up from a, from a David McCullough like history book. It's like the first expedition up Everest. And it's, but as a thesis, it's, it's saying it came out of World War One, And it's in a, it's maybe the best book I've ever read about World War One, And I'm, okay. I'm interested in that subject. Cool. But Death Over Dinner is the one. That and, that then, and the inner game of tennis. In, the inner game of tennis? Yeah. Oh, as an actor but for that. anybody the inner game of tennis I'll type one that. type two I've never life changing book um so um and then last question is what is there are, I know you're into Alexander Technique um which is pretty like specific to being an actor although not I necessarily so. Yeah, yeah so talk about any other like uh th- like therapies or types of training or anything that you like really well that dream work is did. great for anybody Alexander yeah. is great for everybody there's a, the books that Susan Batson wrote that's an acting book called Truth and she says that everybody every character she talks about exploring characters and it's also she doesn't say this, but it's about exploring ourselves, you know, is yeah. that you have to find uh, what the public persona is, mm-hmm. how the person wants to be seen, you know, mm-hmm. um, how they present themselves, uh, their personal need, what they want to get out of life or what mm-hmm. they want to get. Um, you know, it could be respect from your father and it could be a $10 bill. Like, what do you need? Mm-hmm. Um, and then what's the fatal flaw, which is the thing that keeps them from getting what they want. And everybody has elements of these sorts of things. And what you're hoping is that, you know, you can collapse. They become integrated. Yeah. Well, or that in- you lose the fatal flaw, that the personal need is something uh, is something that is more um, aspiring like uh, and inspiring, you know, like yeah. getting closer to the unity of our family or God or sure. Earth or whatever. Uh-huh. And that the public persona is actually just the persona of who you actually are. But when you start to think about these things, then it can help put it, reflect back onto who, onto yourself, you know. Right. And course. it's a book all about acting and creating characters. Love that. And the inner game of tennis is self one, self two, which is, um, you know, e- operating from a place of ego. Like I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to get the ball over the net. I'm going to serve this just this way, versus doing the work and then being instinctual and being in flow and operating from a place of, of your gut, your creative source of just yeah. allowing it to happen. Dude. Um, I could talk to you forever, and I kind of maybe we'll do a part two. I'm happy with our part one. We'll see how part two goes. Okay, maybe you'll be equally as successful. Okay, I'm so into Thanks, Kat Foster. Thank you so much. Thanks, Loki. Thank you. Thank you, Loki.
That's our show. Thanks for listening. Follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at I am Kat Foster and reach out to us using the hashtag ActingRealPod. For links and recommendations from this week's episode, visit ActingRealPodcast.com. Episodes go up on Mondays. Subscribe to the show and rate and review us. It would mean so, so much to us if you did. This podcast is produced by Hanami Sutton and Chris Mako with technical assistance by David O'Hara and music by Sean Hokinson. We love you guys. We really, really do. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye.